0: I talked to my dad and mom yesterday out in Connecticut, 38 inches of snow outside their door. What a blizzard. In his marvelous book, A Hidden Wholeness, author Parker Palmer describes the kind of blizzards that used to hit the Midwest in ferocious fury. And the farmers in the Great Plains made it a habit at the very first sign that one of those big blizzards was coming, of of going outside of their farmhouse, taking hold of a rope, tying it to the back door, and then stringing it all the way out to the door of the barn. They did this. Because they knew that in the midst of the storm, come heck or high water, in all circumstances and conditions, they would need to be able to go back and forth between the house where they fed themselves and the barn where they fed the animals. And they all knew many stories of people who, while making that journey, got lost in the whiteout of the blizzard and froze to death, right there in their own backyard, because they got lost and could not find their way home. It seems to me that we are living in the midst of a blizzard of a different kind, writes Parker Palmer in this book of his. We all know stories of people who have wandered off. We know stories of people who've gotten separated from their own souls, losing their moral bearings, even their mortal lives, and sometimes taking down a lot of other people with them. The lost ones come from every walk of life, he writes. Pastors, pew people, business people, homemakers, students and children, some are lost at this moment and trying to find their way home. Some are lost without even knowing it yet. How about you? Do you feel the blizzard around you today. In his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Pastor Peter Scazzaro names the weather through which many of us are routinely passing these days. Scazzaro writes, many of us are overscheduled. We are tense. We are addicted to hurry. We are frantic, preoccupied fatigued, and starved for time. Cramming as much as is possible into our handheld brains. Our own brains are no longer good enough. We need a digital one as a supplement, an extra hard disk, as it were. Cramming as much as possible into these devices, into our day planners, into our to-do lists, we battle life to make the best use of every spare minute we have. Yet our overproductivity becomes counterproductive, he writes. We end our days exhausted from work and from raising children. And then our free time on the weekends becomes filled with even more demands in an already overburdened life. But we can't stop. We've forgotten how to stop. We feel guilty when we aren't busy. We feel that we're wasting time and not being productive. And any sense of rhythm in our lives, uh, daily or weekly or yearly, has been swallowed up in this all-surrounding, consuming blizzard in which we're living. Add to this the unexpected tempests that come your way. Add to it all of the trials that come blowing into your life. Add to that the winds of pop culture and fashion and temptation constantly buffeting us from every single side today. And it becomes easier and easier to see why so many of us, so many people in our world become disoriented and lost, separated from their own soul, their own Home, in a sense. What we so desperately need now more than ever is to string up a rope that can lead us home. To take hold of a rope that can be our guide in the midst of the storm. For centuries before this modern era... followers of Jesus Christ had such a rope. Uh, For many, many centuries, ordinary Christians practiced what is commonly called a rule of life. Each person practiced a rule of life. They, They called this rule their rope. In fact, the The actual word underlining the idea of the word rule has something to do with that, as I'll touch on in a moment. I know that when we hear the word rule, we instantly think of rules and regulations, don't we? We think of rules at school, and we just say, no, thank you. We've had enough of those kinds of things. Life is complicated enough without being constrained, limited, bound by rules. But in earlier times, the world word rule had none of these negative connotations. In fact, the English word rule comes from the Greek word for trellis. The Greek and the Latin words of rule actually come from the, the word trellis. That structure made up of rope or of wire or of wood that a good gardener employs to support the upward growth and the greater fruitfulness... Of the branches of a vine. Jesus said, My father is the gardener, and I am the vine, and you are the branches, and this is to my father's glory. This is what makes my dad happy that you bear much fruit. And in order for you to bear much fruit, you need a trellis. You need a rope. You need a rule. God intends us to be wonderfully healthy, fruitful people. But in fostering that kind of life, we need a structure for our growth. We need a way back home in times of storm. And this is what a rule of life is all about. I love the way Pete Scazzaro puts it in the quotation I put on the cover of your worship folder for today. A rule of life, he writes, is an intentional conscious plan. What kind of a plan is it? It's an intentional conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything we do. It provides guidelines for us to continually remember God, to stay connected and focused on God as the source of our lives. It includes a unique combination, as in, it's something you get to choose. You'll have a rule that's different than the person sitting next to you. It's a unique combination of spiritual practices. These are the strands of the rope these spiritual practices that provide structure, think of the trellis again, or the line running out to the barn, that provide structure and direction for us to pay attention and to remember God in everything that we do. Now, over these past several weeks, I have been trying, and others, to begin to lay out some of the essential elements of a rule of life. Over these past weeks, we've been trying to describe some of the strands in the rope or in the trellis, so to speak. I've said that to step forward on this great adventure with Christ towards greater health and wholeness, first, you need sight for the pathway, right? You need to regularly stop and evaluate where you are today and where you want to go. You want to get your scopes out, your binoculars out, and envision the life that you want, that you desire, ahead. If we want to have spiritual and relational health, it's going to take sight for that pathway, or we're going to be swept up in the storm, and we will lose our way. Secondly, you will benefit greatly along this journey from some training for the soul. If you want to go the distance to where you want to get, you need to train your soul, in, in your soul a capacity to travel there. It's, you're not going to go out and run a marathon today. You're going to train for it. You're going to take some purposeful steps. So what you want to do is to put on some spiritual disciplines daily that you're using to to walk with Christ uh, when you're not around a church building. Thirdly, you need equipment for life. You need equipment for life. You will want to equip yourself with books, uh, classes, uh, seminars occasionally, other forms of content, good online resources that, that serve like a compass that point the way to living beyond the cultural or familial systems that have gotten us off track. The things we've inherited and developed that aren't working. You'll need a compass to show you what it means to live in a more Christ-like way in your workplace, in your family, in your marriage, uh, with your finances, in all of the important spheres of your life. Uh, And finally, you need partners for the journey. You need companions in your canoe, as I said last week. You will travel a lot further and a lot faster if you've got some people who are committed to helping you move ahead and to benefiting from your help as you give it to them in turn, and you'll need it especially when you hit the rivers of life, those, those deep and difficult channel crossings that, that we've talked about. Now, this is what you need to step forward in the great adventure with Christ. You need sight for the pathway, training for the soul, Equipment for your life and partners for the journey. Your rule of life is what ties all of those together, those big themes together. Your rule of life is the particular set of practices that you get to choose, the the particular relationships you get to choose, the particular experiences you get to choose that serve as a trellis for your continued growth or like the strands of a rope that you hang on to so you don't get lost in life's storm. That's, that's what your rule of life is. Now, how many of you have already got a rule of life? I think some of you do already, more than have raised their hands. I, chances are You've got at least pieces of a rule of life already working for you. I'll give you one of the strands. Worship. Weekly worship. You've got it down. You're here this morning. Right? Chances are some of you have a daily devotional, or at least a sometimes devotional, that, that, that you're working during the week. Or, or you've got some kind of pattern of prayer. Maybe you bow your heads for a few moments before the meal or before you go to bed. This is all really good. These these are some of the strands, uh, the pieces of a rule of life. The pressing question each of us needs to ask, however, is this one. Is my present rule of life strong enough given the forces I'm facing? Is my present rule of life strong enough to help me go the distance To grow like I want to, given the unbelievable blizzard that I'm facing in daily life. Am I more faithful and fruitful than I was last year at this time? Would the people who know me best say that I am spiritually and relationally healthier today than I was a year ago? Or is the blizzard beating me? (laughs) Am I so blown about and buried by the forces of this life around us that I frequently lose my way, get stunted in my growth? There is really no shame in admitting, as rock star Leonard Cohen does in one of his famous songs, that the blizzard of the world has crossed the threshold of your life And it has overturned the order of the soul. I think that's true everywhere today. I think we're living in conditions unanticipated. People talk about global warming. I think there's been a spiritual chilling going on in our whole world today. And that we're living in storm conditions like no generation before us have. And it is overturning the order of our souls. But the good news is, we can restore order to our souls we can take particular steps each of us can to bring back some blessed uh, order uh, to our souls we can build a better trellis we can weave ourselves a stronger rope and in the adventure guide how many of you've got an adventure guide in your hand we give them out every week here at least this through this series in that guide you'll see on the inside a tool For helping you start to craft, even more purposely, your your rule of life. Your rule of life. There's some spaces for you to begin to to jot down what's in your rule of life. So I want to just issue an encouragement to you to follow these simple instructions. Number one, sometime this week, take that document or use your computer or your handheld device if that's easier for you, and make an actual written list of the health-producing practices you've already put in place in your life. Celebrate that. Give thanks. You've got something going there that's really working for you. Then number two, sit quietly someplace and ask God to guide you to one or two new practices that... um, can strengthen the rope, that can build up the trellis for you. And we've given you a handout today in your materials that's called Ideas for Strengthening Your Rule of Life. I encourage you to take it out and just look at it. I put a lot of time into crafting that document. Don't throw it away, please. <laughs> I mean, this is everything I know in one two-sided sheet about a rule of life. Um, So, number two, look at that and and ask God to quicken a desire in you to try some of that. And just see which of those practices stirs desire in you. By all means, do not try and practice all of those things. You will kill yourself. Just let him quicken a desire to try a couple of them. Then number three, add those to your rule of life and practice them regularly for a while. Pick one or two and just start practicing them. Give it a month or so of regular practice. Number four, after giving them a good run, set aside what isn't giving you benefit. Don't flagellate yourself. If that isn't something God is clearly using in a helpful way, set it aside, and then... Move on, number five, move on and experiment with something new and, and, and give it a, a good run. Number six, review your written rule of life frequently. Uh, put it on the bathroom mirror. Uh, leave it on the dashboard of your car. Put it someplace in the kitchen where you're going to see it to remind yourself, I've got a rule That I'm trying to practice and revise it as often as you need to. Um, It's not the Ten Commandments. You can revise this as often as you need to. Finally, make mistakes, learn as you go, enjoy the adventure. And if you practice it, you will find it to be quite an adventure. Some of you know that I turned 54 last Sunday. Um, and as I'm moving on in life, I have more of my own history to look back at. And um, as I was thinking about my life this week, I realized God has led me on some pretty great adventures over the years. I mean, wow, I, I, if I should drop dead before I finish today be sure you say Dan knew God had been good to him. Okay, he led me on some great adventures. I have jumped out of an airplane with a parachute on my back. That opened, thankfully. I have swum with scuba tanks on my back through a sunken ship 80 feet down in the Caribbean. I have ridden bareback on a horse over the continental divide in the middle of summer with snow under the horse's feet. God has let me ski the Alps of Austria. He has let me ride a camel in Jericho. He has let me win a race before the royalty of England. God has led me to jobs on an offshore oil rig and on a working farm. He's taken me to work in a maximum security prison and in the world corporate headquarters of IBM. God has taken me out to the to the refugee camps of Thailand, and to the skyscrapers of Hong Kong, and to the forbidden city of Beijing. I have eaten bugs in a South American jungle. I have shaken the hands, uh, shaken the hand of Ronald Reagan. I have barely missed being blown up, I mean moments, I missed it by moments, being blown up by a bomb in Belfast, Northern Ireland." God has led me to the Sea of Galilee at sunrise. He has taken me through the bazaars of Istanbul in the noisy noonday. He has led me to the Taj Mahal at a crimson sunset. He has let me see the pyramids of Egypt by moonlight. God has left me with memories of almost every one of the great capitals of Europe and of the slums of Nairobi, Kenya, Kenya. Miles long, he has let me look out and enjoy the long-lost view from the top of the World Trade Center. But, but, of all the great adventures God has led me on, none begins to compare in value, importance, joy, and significance. To the one on which he has also invited you that of going with Jesus towards the abundant life. And let me just say, in conclusion, in this series today that that this journey is the goal of our life. The purpose of our life is not just to survive, it is to thrive, Jesus says. The purpose of our life is not just to have momentary pleasures. It is to be as healthy as Jesus is himself. And if you never travel even as far as the state line, but you manage to find your way close to the kind of health we see in Jesus, then your life's journey will have been a fantastic success. And conversely if your passport is stamped with all kinds of evidence of of trips to exotic places, but you have not grown the kind of spiritual and relational health that Jesus makes possible, then your life will have been a dead end. It will end at that hole in the ground. A dead end. The psalmist once rejoiced before God You have made known to me, O Lord, the path of life. And you can rejoice that way too, because He has made known to you also the path of life. He is still issuing the invitation Follow me, says Jesus. Follow me. Take steps to follow me. And the question I want to ask you in closing today is what rule, what trellis, what rope are you planning to hold on to as you take steps toward the life that is possible for you? Make sure you've got a good rope in your backpack. Make certain it's got enough strands to it. And add more if it does not. Hold on tight to it. Because there is a blizzard out there. More than 38 inches deep. But if you hold on to that rule, there is a good and gracious God who is going to use the steps that you take along it to help you get healthier than you are today and to make sure absolutely that you find your way home to him. Would you pray with me, please? Our gracious God, we marvel at the truth that you have come in order that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Life to the full. Help us to take steps in the direction of that life. Guide us into a rule of life that we can hold on to as we go until that coming glorious day when we find ourselves truly and fully and joyfully home. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.